0: for something uh, is a time coming through
1: uh, uh, hello henrietta
0: hi jason
1: welcome to the conversations with jason campbell and henrietta galena hello henrietta <laughs> for this episode we are revisiting a topic a subject that i <laughs> i have strong feelings on and that would be, well, when we discussed it a year and a half ago, it was call out culture. And as the term has evolved uh, into cancel culture, we are discussing that essentially to cancel or not to cancel culture. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that remains the question. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. I mean, when we spoke about it just over a year ago, um, it was call out culture. And we asked the question if this will become a social norm you very quickly and accurately said yes and now we're sort of not just circling back on that but we're talking about its natural evolution which was to move into cancel culture and I know you have very strong opinions and uh, I can't wait to hear them
1: let's, <laughs> let's do this <laughs> well, well firstly I, I want to say and I think I mentioned it Um, in that episode as well, is that I think this is largely about semantics of words. And I think that especially when people in power are faced with consequences of their poor behavior, or in some instances, their criminal behavior, they have taken, and it has happened very quickly, Henrietta, they have taken to reframe (laughs) these terms to disempower the fight against uh, abusers and oppressors by bastardizing these terms. They did it to woke, which was essentially the precursor to cancel culture. And now they're doing it to cancel culture. Mind you, these are two terms that came out of black culture, black Twitter in, in some cases. And Let's be honest, and when I say that it's the semantics of words, is that we're not talking about actually, it's not really about cancelling people, and that's the funny thing. The people who are oftentimes um, cancelled, let's say, they're usually the people in power. They have platform, they have audience, and they have sources that they they don't get cancelled like that. Yes, they may lose some professional standing or something like this, but it's not about cancelling anyone and so i think this whole cancel culture discussion has gotten so off track and unfortunately i gotta say to the benefit of the oppressors who are saying that this is not a legitimate they're trying to delegitimize a term like this and i think that they have been effective in doing so
0: i mean you are not wrong i think <laughs> i think one thing we could both agree on is that, that mostly those who are calling for the cancellation of cancel culture are more often than not the ones that need to be cancelled themselves. So I think that there is a defensive mechanism in place there. I also think that, you know, cancel culture, I think like some progressive or liberal terms, it's a branding problem because I think to cancel just sounds so aggressive. And it's like, what does that even mean? There's something almost like an assassination Attempt that feels it feels (laughs) very like it it gives you you know hypertension. Just the thought of being cancelled just gives you literal palpitations. So I think that there is a, to your point, a semantics issue there. But I think that I listened back to our last episode, interestingly enough, and I I hold a lot of those beliefs to be true. That we are still overlooking a lot of elements when we talk about cancel culture, which is nuanced dialogue, the idea that there's so many things could be true, the idea that things take time, the idea that we should have engaging, more collective conversations to solve a problem. And so I think that there are so many things that don't get addressed when we talk about cancel culture. And then like call-out culture, before it, I think you then get into this murky territory of over-indexing, where it becomes, you know, it becomes this general broad sweeping of like okay now all things of this nature need to be cancelled right so then it becomes a bit dangerous yes. like, so I do think that cancel culture is problematic in some ways but I think against the backdrop of the pandemic and the racial civil unrest that's happening right now it becomes a real challenge of okay what do we actually mean when we say cancel cancel culture right because there are some things that we really need to look at And there is a concentration of power that is hugely problematic. And I take issue with those people saying that we need to cancel cancel culture because it's, A, those are the people that have been doing the canceling. If you look at fashion, for instance, like, or not even for instance, that's obviously where this whole conversation is rooted. But, like, when you have these very powerful, mostly white executives and, and people within the power structure saying we need to cancel cancel culture... That to me is largely problematic because it's another tool in their oppressive arsenal. And that's, I think, where the problem comes from, you know, or or when you see influencers who have very problematic pasts who are trying to erase that or overlook that by saying, you can't cancel me. We need to get rid of cancel culture. Like. I find that to be problematic. You know, J.K. Rowling Exactly, we need to get rid of cancel culture. I'm like, oh, I don't know that you would be saying that if you hadn't made your comments about trans women. So I think on top of should we cancel cancel culture, there is the conversation around who is calling for cancel culture to be canceled. Do you see what I mean?
1: Well, yes, I do. And this talk around this outcry not even talk is an outcry around cancel culture ultimately being unfair that's the that's the narrative that i don't understand at all and oftentimes we're dealing with um call-outs around racism around sexism around homophobia and not to say that the, the cancel culture movement is not flawed but <laughs> and is racism, homophobia, and sexism, are those not flawed um, um, positions? And so I just don't understand why it would uh, be expected to be such a, a clear, clean sort of effort right now. And never mind, there hasn't been many cases of like um, collateral damage because of cancel culture. So in many ways, that pushback is unfounded.
0: I would be careful to say that specifically, because I think we're at a our- real hyper heightened time where we wouldn't know about collateral damage that wasn't pertinent to the plights of culture right now, right? We are so focused on dismantling the racist systemic problems in our culture, in our industry. We're so focused on the plights of the LGBTQ plus community, of our civil rights, of our political rights. There's an election coming up. The idea that, you know, there was some collateral damage in X, Y, Z, I think is an, unless it was like a huge point, I don't think that's something that we're largely looking at because we're so saturated in, in the focus of the overall kind of idea of cancel culture and all the things that go into that. Like, I don't know that we can say but that do you has collateral damage.
1: But do you see how effective, though, the pushback on cancel culture has been to the extent that we're discussing it so much? The response is that or the fear is that cancel culture will will have a lot of collateral damage, that people will be unfairly accused and have their lives ruined. And things of that nature. And I have to say, based on what we've been seeing around cancel culture, woke culture over the last couple of years, that hasn't been the, that just simply hasn't been the case. And so therefore I think that argument is just, that argument falls a little flat and that's ultimately where the argument is. And I have to state this, in the weight of centuries of oppression um, against millions and hundreds of millions of people, like one would think that in the space of a few months or a, a couple year period, let's say <laughs> for working on let's, the response or the reparation in our community that there would be some time to time to get that you know right let's say that's not even being considered it's just like an annihilation of words that's taking place right now, an annihilation of culture in many ways and and that attack I just feel has really really been effective, as I said, look at how palpable this discussion is right now because it's on everyone's tongue
0: yeah I think I I tend to think both things could be true in most cases and I think that this is the same thing I think there is a place for cancel culture I think that everything from like apartheid all the way through to the me too movement would never have happened without the confluence of call out and cancel culture. I think that said, I still really believe that what cancel culture largely does in most cases, particularly on social media, is it kind of removes critical thought and dialogue. I think less so maybe in this time when we're talking about race, because people are really coming with receipts because it has been so insidious and so systemic for so long. That we've been sat on this volcano that is now erupting. And so, actually, a lot of people, rather than just calling out, people are really coming with substantiated receipts. But I think there needs to be that sort of structural component to cancel culture that takes it, that takes the weight out of social media, because social media, the nature of it is that we're headline reading, that it has to fit in 140 characters, that it has to be succinct and distilled to its most basic point. And so, therefore, it, it becomes this challenge. So for me, I still maintain that there needs to be some level of dialogue that allows us to A, apply critical thought, and B, have nuanced discussions about what is actually going on. Because I think one of the other things that cancel culture really perpetuates is this sweeping judgment, right? And I worry that it gets Conflated and creates this umbrella effect that doesn't allow for critical thought or nuanced conversation. So, the structural changes that need to be made in fashion, we get so stuck on some granular details around past and present behaviours, who said what, when, how it was said, and while those things are really valid and and shift towards a larger change, it doesn't necessarily address systemic change, because we're talking about things like prejudice and stereotypes and bigotry, which are obviously all very wrong, and we need to look at that and we need to focus on it, but it can't necessarily be swept up in the generality of call-out culture, because then what happens is there's this caveat of brands and companies and individuals saying okay well I'm just going to employ more black people or I'm just going to put more black people and people of color on my Instagram and while those things are great those aren't necessarily the entire solution right because when we talk about the actual task of dismantling systemic racism there's a larger conversation that needs to be had but there isn't necessarily the forum to do that when we're conflating all things right I worry that the bigger thing gets overlooked does that make sense
1: but i think that oversimplification is is taking place by the the critics of the of the cancel culture movement i think it's much easier to lump all of that into one bucket when, in fact, that doesn't, it doesn't all apply. You know, not every, everything that's called out, not every offender is of the same measure. And it doesn't always look like that. But when you're critiquing, responding to the power base or criticizing the the power base in any way um, and calling out things, calling out transgressions, and injustices out there, everything is lumped in, or criminal, or calling out criminal acts, i.e. Um, uh, sexual assaults, and so on and so forth, everything is lumped into one, and I, I understand that shouldn't be, and hence the semantics conversation mm-hmm. uh, we're having here. But again, I do not want this empowerment, you know, this empowerment of marginalized people to go by the wayside. I mean, ultimately, this pool for holding, for holding accountability, you know, this also helps to weed out criminal element. This is about community building, whether it's be in, a, in an office space or, or whether it be amongst, you know, for the Me Too movement, creating a massive global movement and community against, um, uh, you know, against injustices, against women, for example, in this case. And it's protecting, you know, the, the increasing segment of independent contractors out there, because I think what we are finding out is that people have been working, operating in society, in this industry, for one, and have no sense of protection, have no sense of security, and have subsequently have, have been silenced. And that's what this time is about, as well as about empowering those voices and, and disallowing that silence that has taken place for so long. So those are, those are huge benefits that I think that I've extolled of the continuation of cancer culture.
0: Yeah, I really agree. I do. I agree with all of that. I think that, again, I think both things could be true. And I think that's the one thing that cancel culture doesn't really allow for. That would be my biggest indictment of cancel culture. There is an oversimplification that is warranted in some spaces and some places and in some situations and circumstances and just not others. And so, you know, within that and this industry, there is a growing critique of, for instance, Diet Prada. And if what they're doing is right or wrong and if they should exist and if they should be the unofficial watchdogs of our industry. And again, I feel conflicted because I think they've done some real great good in terms of raising awareness and bringing to the forefront and our attention things that are hugely problematic that we need to be talking about. And also things that are just like problematic in and of itself as it pertains to their role within cancel culture. But I guess me i'm interested in what happens beyond cancel culture because i worry that if we're not looking at that we're just rebranding stuff right you're allowed to make a play for canceling cancel culture with some like rebranded initiative that makes it seem like it's really wrong or we could then just over index on cancel culture where we get to a point where it's like if you are just of this group you're wrong or if you say anything about x you're wrong or if you speak up about a counter popular opinion you are wrong and what we don't want to do is find ourselves at a point where we where we've over indexed so much that we can't even have honest conversations about things we need to have honest conversations about so for me I'm interested in building those forums and those structures that allow us to have dialogue beyond cancel culture and I think that could be an interesting solution rather than cancelling cancel yes culture. But- Because canceling cancel culture, to me, feels inherently dangerous.
1: Well, yes, because if if it's seen as an impediment to to social progress, which is how I think it's being framed, that's what I think is problematic. I think that somehow um, when someone's profile is threatened, it's almost as though the response is that they have an unassailable right (laughs) to maintain a particular profile. And that is threatened by someone calling out an offense that, oh my word, the world has toppled as a result. That bit I don't understand. How is cancel culture at this juncture? And mind you, we're at the point of where it's being recosted. How can it be a detriment to social progress in the way that it is? And as, as I mentioned before earlier in this conversation, the power base, the power structure seems to be making such a strong argument just in the semantics of this word at this stage of the game, that it is really disallowing the conversation from going forward. And I have to tell you, in reading a lot of foreign newspapers and and publications in England, for example, it is like a rancorous, it is like a pejorative word, woke and cancel culture, the way that it's almost like an alt-right feelings on these words. They have made them so dirty and almost, going the way of ineffective at this point because of how they have allowed it to be painted when someone is having a problem in the public space they feel as though that almost it's like keeping it's keeping like family business at the kitchen table which i don't understand
0: yeah it's definitely a mechanism to keep the status quo for sure um, to my point of both things could be true i think there's an element of cancel culture being weaponized by people with with less than pure intentions so you have those who stand to have something to lose, are like, no, no cancel culture, like nothing to see here, business as usual. And then you also have the people that are like legitimately weaponizing cancel culture in a way that is like, okay, I can move on this energy to get what I want. And both things are true. And both things are happening simultaneously. And that's why we need that nuanced discussion, because if we're not really applying critical thought and really dissecting in all of its entirety, that entire spectrum, no one's really looking. Like, for instance, when we talk about some people in fashion who are like, no, cancel, cancel culture, cancel culture is, is wrong. We need to like hold people accountable. We need to do X. We're not really examining what that means in terms of the people that then don't get indulged. No, we're not. We're not examining who's saying that the idea that like an Anna Winter type would say cancel culture is wrong i would argue i don't know that you get to say that given didn't you literally quite literally build your career on cancel culture like it's very i mean even the Heidi Klum project runway one minute you're in one minute you're out that is that's the tagline of fashion <laughs>
1: That was how it was. Like, like
0: you are in or you are out. This model, this designer is in, and this model, this designer, this writer, this critic is out. But now that the power dynamics are shifting, the
1: same culture is wrong,
0: it just doesn't make any sense. But that's what I'm saying. Where's the critical thought? Like, where is that dialogue? Who's talking about that? Where are those forums for that dialogue to happen? Because Again, all things could be true. So, yes, we could talk about the merits of counseling, counsel culture. Let's definitely do that. We don't want to over index to a point where just by virtue of working in fashion, you're problematic, or just by virtue of being white in fashion, you're a bad person, or just by, you know, like we don't want to over index on those themes. That said, we have to look at the nuances of all of these situations. It just cannot be that black and white. And that was exactly my argument for call-out culture, and if that's going to be a social norm. I see the merits of both, but I think we need to pay closer attention to the absolute details
1: of the argument. Um, well, 100%. and Right, but the distinction though is that the headlines that are dominating is that rather than having that nuanced dialogue, it, the headlines read has cancer culture gone too far? Too far? <laughs> we're, like, we're like a few... <laughs> We're like a few months in on this on this thing. What what do you mean too far? Again, I weighted that against like, you know, hundreds of years of oppression. But again, how effective is that pushback? That pushback is so effective because those are the headlines that I'm reading. So it's already in the consciousness, it's already in the consciousness that, oh my God, so many people are being caught up by this. Like they are losing, they're being sidelined and they're losing opportunities. And, you know, uh, a toxic culture is being replaced by another toxic culture. We cannot have this. (laughs) You know, like those are the the headlines that are out there. And so that is my fear. That is my fear that it has been the, the movement, not even just the term, because the term has been so bastardized that the movement ultimately gets derailed. That is really the biggest fear. Because we're getting caught up in a fight of words, a fight in semantics. That is what confused me. So, so to your point, yes, we should be having the most, the more nuanced uh, dialogue about what exactly who's being canceled. Are they actually losing all of their economic? social and otherwise currency? Like, are they really, are they, is it that brutal? You know, is it that, is it that final? It, it, it really isn't. (laughs) It often isn't. And in, in most, most of these cases and without speaking in a blanket way, it's a time to reflect. It's a time to learn. This is the time to apply that, that, you know, that teaching moment phrase that people love to talk about so much. It's a time for that. Is not necessarily a time to be like, okay, we are going to like bring all the weight of culture against finally the marginalized finding their voice and, and refusing to be silenced. So those are my concerns. And I, I feel like I uh, repeated them in this forum because it's very clear to me what's happening. It is very, very, very clear to me what's happening. And I think it's going to be effective. And yeah, we're going to have to move on to another word. It'll be bebasized again. And then we're losing time in the fight. We're losing time to be doing the actual work, but we've been distracted by nomenclatures and, and this kind of thing.
0: And you raise a good point because I think a large part of that is the distraction, right? It's like if we can get people to talk about cancel culture and canceling cancel culture, that kind of allows us to reorganize in the status quo, right? We could just are sort of reorganizing ourselves to basically get back on track to what was the status quo. And I think that is also a thing that needs to be looked at here because I was actually reading about the kind of conditions in which you can make really good decisions, right? So I was talking about in the last episode, shame. I was like, I don't think that shaming somebody is the right way to go about something. I think there needs to be Mm. uh, honest dialogue. But I think where we found ourselves is feeling shame becomes the thing people get defensive about. Like I had a very... Well, and it, very anecdotally, I had a CEO call me to be like, I love the work you've been doing over the last few years. And like, I've been reading some of your writing and listening to your podcast. I li- really love your point of view. I think you're really smart. Let's find a way to work together. This is a CEO who has a company with all white employees in a space that is supposed to be inclusive. And she's very much like, Oh my God, I don't know how I got here. Like, I didn't think that, I can't believe I didn't see this as a problem. And so we were talking about the idea of how. The realities of her business are in fact upholding white supremacist structures, which we're trying to break down. And she's kind of shut down and got really defensive and started talking about, well, I'm not a racist. And I was like, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't call you a racist. She got so stuck on this idea that she felt that I was calling her a racist. I'm very sure that if a white person had told her the exact same thing, she would have been like, okay, I get what you're saying. But I think that the idea that a black woman was kind of explaining the machinations of how her business are contributing to a largely problematic and racist structure. The nuance of that just got completely broken down. It became the sticking point. I'm not a racist. It became this thing of me defending myself against her and then ended up being this challenge of me like almost defaulting to what I have been conditioned into, which is making her feel comfortable and being like, no, no, I totally, mm-hmm. this is, this is such a complicated conversation. Like, let's take a beat. I totally get it. Even engaging me, it's like, and I got off the phone. I was like, wait, but she called me. And it becomes this thing where it's like, <laughs> if we can't even talk about the nuances of the issue and really break down what's happening, she was getting so defensive that I wouldn't be surprised if her takeaway was, you know, she was calling me out. that That's the problem with call-out culture. I was trying to help. And now I'm being called out. It becomes this thing of you feeling shame Based on the realities of the situation is not the same as oh. me shaming you, and so we also have a bit right. of that. Where like <laughs> how many times have we been in a situation? That's huge. Right, but how many times have we been in a situation where it's like I'm going to tell you the truth, I'm going to be calm, I'm going to tell you what it is, and that's it, and the reaction has been I'm going to cry. To make this about me and you needing to comfort me, or about me shifting the blame <laughs> so I'm the victim, or I'm gonna right. say you're angry, right. I'm gonna say you're angry, falling back on those racial tropes. And then me saying that is problematic. And I'm like, but that is a racial trope. And it becomes this thing of, well, your defensiveness doesn't mean I'm calling you out or I'm canceling you. And so we then start to get into these very convoluted waters of are we even allowed to tell the truth? So then we get into the whole thing of, well, what is call-out culture? What is cancel culture? Because for an intensive purposes, if I'm out in these streets and that's what you're calling calling out or canceling and I'm just calling it dialogue, then we're not talking about, we're not on the okay. same page. And so that's Thank what I'm saying. Like, but, sorry, go on.
1: But no, but in there lies the nuances and the semantics of what we're talking about. That's exactly that's exactly right. what these semantics are about. It's just a, it's just a, a sleigh of hand, a view on term. These are very nuanced things that, ultimately, I don't understand how they've been blown up to, you know, to make such a conversation. But for the record, you're you're having this dialogue with me right now. You just revealed, like, you know, something significant in this conversation—shaming or feeling shame. I think something like that is such a point of dialogue. And yeah, I think we'd we'd, we'd be having a very different conversation if it was in this kind of manner.
0: Right, and it's a very valuable insight because I was very much like, whoa. Why is this such a sticking point? Like, she's not even listening to the words that I'm saying. And I realized it's because she felt like, I think the penny dropped or not quite dropped, otherwise she would have actually gotten what I was saying. But it was very much like, she's shaming me. And I'm like, no, no, you just feel shame. That's a very different, like, sometimes when you have been held accountable, you feel feelings that aren't very nice. You're then using that and deploying your defense mechanism, which then makes it seem to you that i'm calling you out and so that becomes the whole argument of yes there are these tactical elements to like dismantling systemic racism and the merits of counseling cancel culture or not but there i think is an ideology issue i think there's a psychological challenge i think that there is an emotional and mental component to this where it's like okay but we also have to think about how people are maneuvering this space what they're classifying as cancel culture
1: what do you know what i mean and and that's a good Well, yes. And um, I actually, you just painted a, a more intimate portrait there. Of an exchange with someone that you have a, a relationship with, and I'll, I'll paint a different picture. No, 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 we don't have a relationship. Control. Sorry,
0: sorry to go back. We don't have a relationship, which was the problem. That's why it was a difference between you oh. calling out versus because I think if she actually knew me, there would have been that comfortability oh, factor, okay. and that's why cancel culture because it's largely by people you don't know or you haven't been in in contact with for a while. Well, there's a there's a disconnect. Well, to that's it. the point. Social want- media and
1: well that's the point i wanted to make that you know on the opposite spectrum of this you know when it's not a single individual you can be dueling with a mob of trolls that's a very they're a very um present body in social media but that's the thing you're being counseled by whom who are you listen to? Is it the mob of trolls who have nothing to do your business? Again, but... they, you're, they don't patronize your businesses anyway. They have nothing to do with your professional standing. I mean, who is ultimately calling for these things? Wait, but Jason, just, I, huh? sorry to interject, but
0: again, define trolls because most people it'd be like, oh, I'm being trolled. I'm like, why? Because a large number, or a, a significant number, or a, just a number of people are holding you accountable. Well.
1: To To define troll in this context, essentially people who are not invested in your business to any extent, they're onlookers or they see it crash because it's it's been publicized and they're there to weigh in with their opinion, but they have no relevance to your business whatsoever. Those are what I consider troll, but yet their voice sounds very loud.
0: So you can only hold someone accountable if you patronize their business?
1: Well, well, good point, actually. Good point. No, no, you can't. No, but in terms of my point is that Oftentimes when, you know, in, in this call out culture, a chorus rises up and, you know, you really do need to parse through that chorus and see what is valuable as a feedback to your business or not. And oftentimes if you look at the percentage of that feedback that you're getting, most of them are not valuable to your business just because they have an opinion, informed or otherwise, they may not be relevant to your business. To be, to be perfectly frank, I don't always think that the, the noise you hear out there has the impact to brand and business.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, I think that there is an argument to be made for and against that. Because I would argue that just participating in fashion, you don't have to be a patron of that business to acknowledge that it's not right. So to that J.K. Rowling point again, I don't have to have read or watched any of the Harry Potter movies to be able to indict J.K. Rowling for what she said about trans women. Do, do you see what I mean? And that's what I'm saying. Like,
1: Yes, no, you're absolutely right.
0: You're right. You know and, and that is a conversation to be had I actually think it just gets so nuanced and I think my fear about council culture is it's it's just it's almost too black and white and it's too definitive and doesn't make space for the great areas that we need to be um dissecting because in that dissecting and that dialogue, right? That's where the understanding happens. And, and that's where, where the change happens. And that's where we want to move towards. And this idea of to or not cancel, it's like, okay, great, let's smoke out all the racists, let's smoke out all the bigots, let's smoke out all the homophobics, let's smoke out. But that, where do they go? <laughs> like, what, like, do you see what I mean? Like, there's so many layers to this. It just... We can't over-index on it, but there is still value on it. So I think we need to really be addressing this in a much more nuanced way. I think the bigger attack isn't so much on cancel culture. I think the attack is largely on nuance, which I can advocate for more.
1: Well, um, my final note is that the cancel culture movement has been deliberately made a black and white discussion.
0: I do. I do. And I think it's been a smart strategy, cancel cancel culture. I mean, that is branding excellence. And I think that that is a strategy that could be deployed very much against the oppressed or the same token. I think that there are merits to looking at and addressing cancel culture and how we move through that. So again, I
1: believe those things to be true. And on that note, I have no doubt that some iteration of this cancel culture movement will, will be a topic of conversation in the future. So we, uh, we will circle back when the time is right.
0: Absolutely. And
1: we will see you the next time.
0: Okay. Bye-bye.
1: Now.